Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Movie Bunker Podcast with me, Matt. Hey, it's me, Chris. Hi, Chris. Hello, right? Yeah, apart from we don't know what number we're on anymore. No, it's good, isn't it, in a way that we, we've lost count. <laughs> and we're feeling a bit under the weather too. Yeah, I'm snotty. Yeah, I'm a snotty man. But Two the, snotty men. The shops um, aren't taking into account the fact that I might have got a cold in the spring because all I could find in the shops was hay fever tablets. You might have hay fever. I haven't got hay fever. Okay, well, I'm just saying, you might have it. <laughs> anyway, we're here. Yes. The Movie Bunker podcast, the podcast that reviews movies, but not new and great movies. No, no, no. we do such a thing. No, we review the critical panned movies out there and try to find the good things to say about them. Well, we want to find one film, don't we, once? We want to find one film that yeah. literally elevates itself out of the, the fives, twos, threes, fours review that it got. We go, no, this was unfair. The Movie Bunker podcast, where we review shite films for a living. Um, yeah, if you want to follow us on the socials, we've got a Twitter handle, that's at movie underscore bunker. We've got a Facebook page, just search for The Movie Bunker. And we're on Instagram. Instagram. <laughs> and uh, iTunes, Podbean, like and subscribe. Yeah, get on there and write a review. We haven't uh, had a review for a while, so if you, get, if you like what you hear... Or you don't like what you hear, write a review anyway, but just lie and say you did. Our film choice for this week was an unnecessary sequel. Escape from LA. Here's the trailer. Welcome to the theatre. For everyone's enjoyment, we'd like to remind you of the following rules. No talking. No smoking. No littering. No red meat. No freedom of religion. And remember, all marriages must be approved by the Department of Health. Failure to obey these rules will result in immediate loss of citizenship and deportation to the island of Los Angeles. Enjoy the show. Your rules are really beginning to annoy me. Psycho profile on him using a database of five million sociopathic personalities. He hit the bottom of the curve. Catches on quick, doesn't she? Santa loves a winner. Say we play a little Bangkok rules. Nobody draws until this hits the ground. You ready? What a film. What a film. <laughs> I must um, say before you uh, launch into it there, Matthew, I've, never, I've not seen Escape from New York. That's what I was going to launch into, is I was going <laughs> to tell the people that you haven't seen Escape from New York. Yeah, well, I've never never felt the need. When did it come out? It was, uh, yeah, Escape from New York came out in 1981, right? Yes. Yes, it did. So this was the character Snake Plissken, acted by... <laughs> Kurt Russell. Acted by? <laughs> wow. Played by Kurt Russell. What he is Snake Plissken. So what is the what was the premise of Escape from New York? Because I've never well, seen it. this may sound familiar to you. Right. Um, so there's a no-go prison area, but this time it's in New York. Yeah. Well, the first time it's in New York. And what happens is the president's plane crashes into New York and they have to get a badass to go in mm-hmm. and get him out. Okay, because so he's got the nukes on him as well, the nuke coats. Okay, so they need him, and and Snake Plissken is what badass. And how? Why? 
Because he is. Everyone knows him. So he's just like a... Everyone knows him. Everyone's like, like an 80s oh. action hero that yeah. is basically world-renowned for being... Absolutely. Like, nuts. Stitch on. I mean, um, Snake Plissken is the inspiration for Metal Gear Solid. Is it? Solid Snake, yeah. Oh, I thought the similarities were there because of the With eye the patch and the voice. And the eye patch. <laughs> and the voice as well. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. gruffy. But he's the Charlie Big Potatoes, isn't he? He's Charlie Big Potatoes. He goes, people know him. People yeah. are scared of him. People think he should be taller, which is the running... It's the running gag, Running isn't it? gag in, in both films, I think. But um, yeah, so Escape from New York was uh, cult classic. I don't know if it's too much to call it a cult classic. Um, but it certainly feels, falls into that sort of very, very um, typical 1980s action films um, during the heyday of John Carpenter. Mm. I can't overstate how much I love most of John Carpenter's films. Notice I carried that with most at the start. So this guy is responsible for some of the most important films in terms of like pop films. Mm. You know, Halloween, he's done. Obviously, Escape from New York. They live big trouble in little China. Oof. The fog. Yes. Assault on Precinct Thirteen. Mm-hmm. So I mean, like he's got he's got the chops. Starman, he did. The yeah. thing, he did. The thing, obviously, one of my favourite films. The thing. I love the thing. Mm, brilliant film. But this um, that's his most disappointing film, apparently, because what, um, for him, yeah, because he loved it, um, but it didn't perform like like a lot of these films from the eighties and stuff is that um, it didn't perform very well in the box office. And it, that was kind of the only mark of a good film back then. Right. Um, Shawshank Redemption is another great example of this, where um, it did cinema and didn't receive an audience at the time. And it's only um, posthumously after the film has then sort of been on TV and people have then seen it on video, etc., that it's, it's gained a following and a, a recognition for the piece of what it is. Mm. So, um, yeah, the thing was... Uh, uh, um, a film that um, he was disappointed about because he believed it to be one of his finest films. Um, not wrong. No, it's a great film. And another remake that was, or a sequel or a prequel. Wasn't yeah, it? it's a prequel. Prequel, hey, well, it wasn't too bad. But the plot synopsis for Escape from LA, which is this... Again, this is going to sound familiar. <laughs> yeah, so Snake Plissken is once again called in by the United States government to recover a, a potential doomsday device Ooh. from Los Angeles now an autonomous island where undesirables are deported. And it's basically set in the year 2013. Yeah. So they're not, not, not the sort of far distant future. Well, even as, so in the sort of like opening section, so like the first film, um, well, this was set in 1996 um, and came out obviously in 96. And its sort of dystopian future starts in 1998. So he only gave himself a two-year window... <laughs> To be right. Yeah. I mean, he was obviously very fucking sure that the world was going to turn into shit into a handcart (laughs) within two years. Yeah. So in 1998, the guy, the president, predicts there's going to be an earthquake. And then in year 2000, the earthquake happens. And then they use that as the island prison. And then in the year 2013 is when we've got to for our current story. So like mm. it's been a prison for 13 years. And it's the, fu- the future that we've seen. It's, it's done future, so many distant future. <laughs> so many times. Cast-wise, we've got obviously Kurt Russell reprising the role of Kurt, um, Kurt Russell. Let's make Pliskin. <laughs> Steve Buscemi's in this. And he I, is. Um, he's the map to the stars Eddie. Eddie. So he's like a map man. 
Um, Stacy Keach, which is the commander Malroy, who's been in so many 80s flicks. Peter Fonda. Peter Ta- Fonda, yeah. As Pipeline, he's like a surfer dude. Very much. It's very much a, like a cameo role, really. Nothing big to get his teeth into. Cliff Robertson plays that the nutty president. Yep. Valeria Golino, who plays Taslima. You will recognise her because she's been Hot in shots. so much. Hot, Hot shots. shots part two. Um, she's fridged quite early on. Oh, and she's basically... I don't know, it's a ridiculous role for her. It's not it's, um, it's it, yeah, it's, it, we, we'll talk about that a bit. Pam Greer's in this and she's pretty badass. She plays like a woman-y type man type person. I'm not quite sure. <laughs> yeah. um, we get Bruce Campbell. Um, unrecognisable as Bruce Campbell. Uh, yeah. And I didn't realise, but Bruce Campbell heavily made up with some He's the uh, plastic surgeon, yeah. Yeah. So the cast, cast-wise, it's, it's full-on 80s. Cliff Robertson, who plays the president, I recognise him. He's recently been in... Uh, a, a Spider-Man film? Has he played Uncle Ben recently? Oh, yes, that is him. Yeah, yeah, I thought so. Yeah, so he's he's an old Uncle Ben. I think in the... Te- he was much nicer as Uncle Ben than he was. Tobey Maguire. No, the um, Andy Garfield, Garfield ones, version. Yeah. Pam Greer, we know from a lot of the exploitation movies and most recently, probably one of the Tarantino movies. Jackie Brown. Jackie Brown, yeah. The uh, air hostess. Yeah. That does all With the, the stuff. With the most Well, the Jackie Brown. Yeah, I was surprised to see to see Steve Buscemi in, doing his... It's got to be near to one of his first films, surely. Doing his sort of fast-talking, wise-cracking, snidey little roles. He's just... I'm a rat. I'm I mean, a rat. We've talked about these characters before where people just go on and play themselves. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's what they're hired for. Hi, can you come and be Steve Buscemi, please? But I'm Steve Buscemi. That's fine. <laughs> then you should be able to nail this. <laughs> There's not a great deal to talk about. Well, in terms of like the plot, it sort of mirrors, as you say, Escape. Well, you say I've not seen it. Escape from New York. Yes, yeah, it's, 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 it's exactly. I mean, they drop him in. It's don't ridiculous. They, do a job. Yeah, um, because I think they tried to do some various stuff. Like the opening sequences are almost shot for shot. So you have Snake Plissken. He's even wearing the same clothes. So it's, it's, it's sixteen years. It's been sixteen years since he escaped from New York, and he's wearing the same clothes. He's wearing the same outfit when they. The only time this guy gets clothes is when the government hire him to do something, and mm. he just wears that for the rest of the time. Yeah, he, he's required to do a job. Now, what is the role he's got to play in this? It's just basically go in, go in and steal something back, like this doomsday device. Yeah, it's basically a keypad that if you hit the numbers in the right order, what it sends like a satellite. Type of it was um, well. You don't you don't know what it is for a long while, but then it turns out this um, uh, what was, what was it, like an EPG. That's it, like a yeah electro pulse thing. This is going to knock out all of um all of life on the world and batteries and everything. So basically, go back to the dark ages. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> but it could be it could be either like fired at a house. Yeah. Or the whole world. Yeah, there's many multiple like satellites yeah. that can do this, which is utterly ridiculous. So he has to go get this case that controls this. The black box. Yeah, which um, the president's daughter has crash landed on purpose on the prison island of LA. Um, we kind of alluded to earlier, so what happened is um, LA is a shithole. So the president declares it as a shithole. He's like, LA is a shithole and, and people there are sinners and they will be killed by an earthquake. Then an earthquake actually happens. The president manages to make sure that he's the only president ever again, which is glossed over. And and then um, then they just use it to um, deport all of like life's um, shit, or as, as far as they're concerned, life shit, um, to to the LA. President's daughter apparently then meets 
Guavo. Che Guevara. <laughs> yeah, basically. Exactly <laughs> dressed like him. Looks like a, bit, like a baddie, the, the baddie of the movie. Who's but charismatic. And yeah, he's also like, sexy. Um, I would make you yeah. turn against your country. Um, but he's like a warlord, I guess, isn't he? I don't know what he is. He's uh, the president. Is, we've alluded, you've alluded to it, but the president is like like a religious nut now. And yeah. Sort of, yeah. Well, the old house, she had like a badge on, like um, the uh, purity before uh, marriage, right, okay. yeah, no sex sort of thing. But he wants him to kill weird. her as well when he's over. Yeah, there. he gives zero shits about her. He his just daughter. wants his suitcase back. In fact, he's very specific that he wants her to die. Snake Pliskin is reluctant to do this this gig right initially just like in the first film <laughs> why is he so special what's his background is he like See, a Navy SEAL thing, or no one ever know. knows I mean they, they, um, they, uh, he reads out the fact that he did used to be you know special forces and he's got the purple heart he's, he's basically Rambo but then the, the period between when he was this guy to the guy that everyone fears gunfighting is what they keep telling us telling that he's been doing right um, gunfighting for cash in his same clothes. In his same clothes. It's stinky old snake plisskin. Here he comes. I mean, if he doesn't change his clothes, can you imagine? He probably doesn't change that eye patch either. Can you imagine what it's like under patch. there? Ugh. It's well, fetid. It's like, oh, is that, is that blue cheese? How did he no, lose? No, it's snake plisskin coming. <laughs> how did he lose his eye? No one knows. Oh. I'm sure there's some fan fiction out there. One of the things that um, I, I noticed about this film was the classic suit-up scene. When he's eventually... <sighs> roped into doing this basically he's injected with this uh, like poison um, and they basically say uh, if you don't do the job basically you will uh, die without the antidote I kept writing down there was so many levels of peril in this film that mm. it actually became ridiculous there's like an imposed time limit because he's given a time limit because that's how long it's going to be before he dies because he's been injected with this thing so he's given instantly a thing a watch. A watch with a countdown on it. With a massive clock on it. Then they mentioned that he's got her up anyway because they're going to invade LA and there's going to be a war there. They're going to nuke it or something as No, well. there's going to be an invasion. Then later on they mention, oh, fuck it, we're going to do airstrikes. And there's just all these layers of fucking things that are going to happen in <laughs> X amount of time that it's no wonder he gets all confused. Well, he's, he's got very little lines as well, I've noticed. He doesn't say a great deal, does he? <clears throat> It just and is he modelling his voice on like you know the unforgiven sort of Cliff Cliff I'll say Cliff Richard then but um. <laughs> <laughs> that would be hilarious oh, yeah. Snake Plisking is yeah I've got any smokes hey, uh-huh. hey guys got myself a crying not Cliff Richard not Cliff Richard Clint Eastwood Clint Eastwood. <laughs> Uh, does he model himself on that? It's, it's incredibly similar. Um, He's got... I thought the same thing when I was watching this, is that, that whole, uh, ask yourself one question, punk. Yeah, yeah. Come uh, on, smokes. Who came first, Clint Eastwood or me? The suit-up thing he yes. does. When he eventually gets in, in and into the into the job at hand. He gets that, dressed sexy. He doesn't... Oh, <laughs> He's not very fond of what they, he wants to stay in his own clothes, but they want to change him because yeah, of the he smell. <laughs> and so they give him like this uh, sort of later. Um, no, what can you say? It's like a faux leather ensemble. Yeah, yeah. So he there's goes a, into a certain amount of lycra involved. I think he goes into a little changing room and dons the black stockings. But we and, see it all. <laughs> we see the we see the dressing up and the oh yeah, the belt goes on the big boots and everything, and he's got this long kind of three quarter length sort of trench coat like matrix affair but it hides his body heat ah right I missed that unknown 
You know, like in James Bond, where Bond gets into the headquarters of like with Q, and they're walking down, and there's like they open a door, and there's a whole world of people like practicing martial arts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They have like um, the Snake Plissken version of that, as he's walking down a hall of criminals, and there's like someone fighting, someone being arrested. Yes. Some people just randomly being electrocuted by the side. Oh, that's of the right. Thing. Yeah. Because yeah, basically, were anyone who did any who sinned, according to the yes. president, would be ultimately uh, put to death or sent away they had a choice did you go to LA or be or, or die yeah at the last moment you can go you can just have a pop on the electric chair if you like and people are taking that option it seemed weird it's a it? weird option and it's, these films do this a lot whenever there's an, yeah it's like a not just the Bond films, but when you go to a, a busy New York uh, police department and yeah, there's yeah. hookers <laughs> being arrested <Hey! laughs> yeah. and um, yeah, people causing trouble in the foyer. Uh, it's that very cliched. So I think it's important at this point then, and we mentioned, um, we've mentioned that this was made in 1996. Now people might think to themselves, that's a long time ago, Chris and Matt. No wonder it looks a bit aged but yeah. we, we shocked ourselves, didn't we, by looking at other films made in 1996. It's a big surprise. You'll watch this film, yeah. and the effects are not just like rubbish. Like, you've seen films with bad effects, and mm. you've seen films with sort of low quality. Yeah. But the, the effects in this film are so differently shit at each point. So, like, first of all, there's this bit where it looks like someone's drawn on <laughs> LA. There's, like, a bit of a bridge scene, and it, and it, it literally looks like a picture... That someone's just held in front of the camera. Yeah, yeah. There's a bit where he's doing the... When he first goes to the island underwater... Yeah, the tube scene. There's a, And it's basically him just... It, weaving around. It's like that, a bad 3D thing from the, the, the 80s. From, yeah, it's like one of those... It's either a ride, like a virtual yes. reality ride, or it reminded me of those... Do you remember when, in the old days, when you get like a Dolby... Dolby Sound trailer, yeah, and there's you know to show you everything like there was a train going past you, yeah. and it, it looks and sounds like the that shit shark, yeah, the shark trying to get you, and just um, yeah, it's awful that the effects are mind and consistently shit. It's not just one thing. Like I say, they they all look differently shit. Like everyone's had a go at it, but no one could get it right. But I mean, in compared to what came out. In 1996, it's pretty unforgivable. Independence Day, the original Independence Day, still holds up to effects-wise. It's magnificent. Dusk Till Dawn. Twister. I mean, if we just look at the effects-based ones, Train Spot, I mean, I know it's not effects-based, but... It had lots of practical effects in that. Space Jam. (laughs) Yeah. The Craft, The Rock. I mean, if you put these two films together, fundamentally kind of the same film, you have to go to prison and rescue someone. Yes. Um, The Rock, I would watch out of choice now and it's they're just glossy looking films Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. whereas this film looks like it was made a year after the first film the frighteners the the remake of romeo and juliet matilda the nutty professor mars attacks people star trek first contact pretty good list of films actually that came out in 1996 i was i was shocked at how bad these these effects were then i saw this list and i'm actually mind blown it's like someone must have done it on purpose the only thing I can think is that they had this film in the can for a long time mm. and then got to release it. It's mm-hmm. the only thing I can think because there's no excuse. When you look at the other films that are coming out at this time. Did it have a cinematic release? Yeah. Oh, right. Ugh, 11th of August, 1996. So a summer 
release in 96. So it's not like some of the films that we've reviewed where it's been snuck out a day before Valentine's Day just to try and get some cash. Yeah, yeah. This is prime time for films to be launched. Blockbuster country. They reckon it cost about $50 million to make and in the opening weekend it took $8 million. Um, and they reckon cumulatively worldwide, 42 well, wow, it's a big loss. Apparently, this is the only sequel he's actually elected to make. He wrote Halloween 2 mm. and was kind of coerced into doing it, and he didn't like doing it at all. So this was the only sequel that he actually chose to make. Everything takes so long. I've noticed that one of my notes I wrote down was that everything from the, literally every scene is cut very slow. And so it takes an absolute age for him to get on on the tubey thing uh, in the submarine and go across. It takes an age when he's there to get the ball rolling, to get the story moving. It's just so sluggish. The scene where he's, go back, the scene where he's in the little submarine makes no sense because they put him in a little submarine and shoot him across the ocean. And, and, and basically he's, it's nuclear driven, but he decides to push the engines too much. And they warn him not to, otherwise it's going to blow up. Yeah. But he decides that... And Fuck it, you. Yeah. <laughs> so he pushes it to max, loses yeah. all control uh-huh. of the actual, of the machine. It's like he wants to die. <laughs> and it's bouncing and ricocheting off underwater, all the sort of old signs and bridges and what have you. Sure. And eventually it submerges onto onto a thing, which he needs it to get back. So he's... He basically shoots himself in the foot because it, it basically falls off a cliff, doesn't it? Yeah. And, and and he can't get it back, so he's fucked anyway. Yeah, unless we meet Peter Fonda. So, yeah. So, oh, oh, I mean, initially, so we're already kind of thinking, is he a bit of an idiot? Because he comes across as just being an absolute dick. He has a lot of opportunity not to fuck things up horribly for himself, and yeah. yet he cho- chooses to. We're constantly reminded that the, the clock is ticking as well, yeah, so he's, he's always looking at the wrist and, and how much time he's got left until the antidote is required to sort of stop him from dying. Yeah. So the scenes I want to talk about, so he's first landed and then he sees a procession with his Che Guevara guy and the president's daughter, who's now decided she's only wearing pants and a bra. Yeah, but she's got like an 80s ensemble, even though it's, you know, made in 1996. She's yeah. wearing like a really old school 80s outfit with with a, like a Big leather head. jacket. I, I think a lot of this must have been to try and capture the feeling of the first film. Right. I, 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 they, there has to have been a, a conscious effort to keep it of the same so you could watch them back to back and go well actually these films fit right they've got to be in that sort it's of it's a bit effort. like Rogue One and stuff <laughs> yeah so then he decides to attack the procession really shit way loses his gun instantly his big gun but then he gets taken out by a bowler <laughs> someone just throwing a string at him the conkers yeah well sh- yes he does this whole crazy thing on the back of a bike where he jumps off the like a ridge while he's like following this procession of cars with all the with Che Guevara at the front and all the baddies in, in like tow. This is this falls into what you said exactly earlier. The action is just so slow. Like yeah. even the action. This is a high speed chase and it just feels pedestrian. Yeah. Doesn't he jump off this ridge onto a pickup truck yes. back really slowly? <laughs> he does, he does. He then do. does like this weird like half assed jumps from bon- from bonnet to bonnet, <laughs> flopping about all over the place. Che Guevara Gets up from his like Cadillac-y type calf, which is covered in dolls' heads for some strange reason, with a with two conkers on a bit of string. Yep. Round swings that round. I will get him, sort of thing. There he is, and yeah, they gets round his neck, and he's he's basically 
He's knocked off. He's knocked off by a pair of conkers. <laughs> but they, they surround him and he manages to get away. I can't remember. He Bangkok rules. What? It's Bang- I read Bangkok rules down because he says, let's play Bangkok. Because they, they suddenly oh. all turn up and he's got his guns and they're, and they're like, he's like, whoa, you know, let's have a, like a draw sort of thing, like a, a westerny type thing. That's right. And he's like, I'll throw the can. No one shoots until it hits the ground. He throws the can, he shoots them all, and then the can hits the ground. What you got next? He gets captured. This is when he gets captured by the plastic surgery people. This is where we were introduced to the token female. Yeah. Valerie Galino. Does she save his life somehow? I can't remember. She turns up. It's really odd, the sort of arc. So she, she asks him, he asks her directions, then she keeps following him. Then they get captured by the weird plastic surgery people. Oh, this is such a bizarre scene to shoehorn in for no reason. Yeah. And this has the cameo from um, Bruce Campbell in it. I did find interesting, though, is like the the nurses that were wandering around and like everyone's meant to be kind of like horribly disfigured by too much plastic surgery. Look like people from reality TV now. (laughs) Yeah, they do. They do. It's Uh, like that is exactly the look that the people are actually going for now. So they're captured... Because basically there's this underground kind of plastic surgery yeah. thing going on where they're harvesting parts to make some of these people look better. Botched jobs basically from the yeah. past. it's like everyone needs a new cheek. Or a new eye or something. Oh my God. How's that? The Surgeon General of Beverly Hills. These are no good. You couldn't give them away. And this. I can do nothing with this one. Yeah, I'll wheel it away. I can't work with garbage like this. Now these two. They look very good. My God, they're real. Beautiful blue eyes. Shame he only has one. Nurse? Still? One eye is better than none. Yeah, Bruce Campbell rocks up who looks like You one can't of those. recognize him at all. No, I didn't. I, I, I was waiting for his cameo and I just didn't put two and two together until I see what it, his actual uh, role was looking at the IMDb. He, he manages to get away by shooting him with a mouth dart. At the point when he's about to cut his face off, so that he falls forward, inadvertently cutting him free. Yeah, the the whole planning of the the escape is utter ridiculous. But it's good of the the rest of them in their robes and that to give him a head start, though, isn't it? Because like they're all stood around, they're in the same room. The next cut we see, they're running from the building, and then a good five six hundred yards behind. They're well in it. And and did you notice that this was quite a homage to Amiga Man with Charlton Heston, which was the uh, I Am oh, Legend. The really. Yeah, that that sort of um, plastic surgery scene was grim and just not very nice and completely unnecessary. It didn't drive the plot at all. No, so they uh, get into the tunnels and then all of a sudden there's this weird cut. <clears throat> then she stood there and she basically offers him sex. She's like, let's fuck off this whole saving the world bit. You come with me. And he's like, nah, you're alright. And then, t- then she gets killed. So. She's totally fridged. She's totally fridged. She goes to him, hey, you know, don't worry about the, the future. Let's go have sex. And his response is, 
My future is right now. Which I was trying to work out. What the fuck does that mean? <laughs> my future is right now. Right now. So do you want to come and sing with me? My future is right now. Yeah, it's not an answer you would usually give to that question. You say she yes. She looks perplexed. <laughs> okay. active. Fine. Uh, right. Uh, see you around. <laughs> he gets captured again. He meets Steve Buscemi. There's, hey, there's, there's the important MacGuffin. He's got a MacGuffin too. He's got a star map. He's got a star map, but looks exactly like the MacGuffin. Pay attention, listeners. This yeah, may yeah. be important in the future. <laughs> so he's got a MacGuffin, but his MacGuffin is just a star map. The other person's MacGuffin, which looks exactly the same. Now, even this is genius, yeah. and they have fundamentally predicted the, the rise of the mobile phone, where everyone has a mobile phone that looks exactly the fucking same. Yeah. Or they're lazy-ass writers. <laughs> Probably the, the latter. Probably the latter. And then this is when they introduce the fact there's going to be an airstrike, so yet another peril. Um, so he gets captured, and instead of like just shooting him, blah, blah, yeah, they um they they have kind of like um a coliseum of games going on. They execute people by basketball, bas by execution by basketball. But what I thought was hilarious in this scene, right, is that like so these games are going on and they keep cutting occasionally to like the heavily armed crowd because everyone in the crowd's got a gun, packing heat. Yeah, they're all booing constantly, right? <laughs> like so from the moment we reach the stadium, it's like. Boo! <laughs> Boo! And like, it's not that they're booing anyone in particular, it's like everything that's happening, and it just cuts back to them. Boo! <laughs> Which is pretty much what I was doing whilst watching this. Just film. a constant boo. Just boo! <laughs> it's like, yeah. and next, someone's just got their head cut off. Boo! Cheer at oh, you point. didn't like that? Okay, well, how about the basketball game? No. Well, they, the other thing I noticed as well, when they, if you lose the basketball challenge, which is basically to score a point for each side within a yes, certain time. You have to score 10 points within 60 seconds. Right. Then, well, a 10-second shot clock, sorry. That's right. So you get from one end to the next. Basically, if you don't do that, you get shot. Yeah. And all the guys that are the watching in from around this cage are all stood around in a circle. Yes. So they they don't manage. No one manages to shoot themselves or one of the you know the people. <laughs> That's not the only time um, this firing circle happens. They they do that on several times. <laughs> firing circle. The firing. Everyone form a circle. Why? We want to shoot the man in the middle. We want to make sure we get him. <laughs> it's ridiculous. <laughs> but yeah, Snake is uh, Snake. challenged to do this challenge. Yeah, and he goes, hey. Snake, you have 10 seconds. Just want to let you know, no one's ever done it before. And I'm like, I reckon, I reckon I know someone that's going to. Yeah. Apparently, apparently, this was all like his own shots. He did all this, even including the full court no, shot. No way. He was practicing religiously. Um, but I think both Kurt and John Carpenter are huge basketball fans, which I think is the reason for this particularly weird I love scene. I like watching basketball. It's so fun. Uh, but this would this takes all the fun out of it, doesn't it? The game it's just a, it's like a a lot of um, peril. In oh yeah, it's like a bleep test on acid. Yeah, yeah. So you got to score each end, and then basically he runs. He, he gets tired. He runs out of room, and he just does a massive court end of court shot. Just he? loses it, lumps it over, and it goes straight in. And he's no, he's not, he's not set free. free. No, he's just, just Shake Guevara wants to kill him anyway, so and everyone like, goes against him, don't they? So you can't do that. He's won, and then they cheer. Snake, snake, snake. I thought he said, no, he's not having it. No, he's not having it. But he jumps over the fence and then gets away. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And then gets gets away. And then... Is there another tunnel? 
it's an earthquake happens like That's in Pompeii right. so like in Pompeii an earthquake happens and he uses the earthquake as an escape the surfing the surfing scene OMG oh my god oh my giddy god you're not doing so well Snake you need help here here hold on ah! who shot you doesn't matter oh yeah you're right you're... you should talk to her she hates Gravo Big time. They used to be partners and they split up. Who? Hershey. She lives downtown in the big boat, down that way. She hangs with Saigon Shadow. Man, they don't take shit from nobody. What is that? Tsunami snake. Tsunami! Woo! Just a big time now, mister. <laughs> Start feeling better quick, man, because you ain't got time to get out of here. Man, this is going to be some kind of ride. Some kind of fixed ride. Just go. Come on. Woo! Bitch! Bitch, man. Okay. Let the front edge pick you up. Don't get on your board till you ride to the top. Don't blow it. If you fall off the board, it's the big white hat. Got it? Woo! Bitch. Well. Break it down for me. Well, I mean, I'm not entirely sure. Riff on it. I can't imagine. I Off can't imagine. I'm thinking about it now. He, he comes out of the thing and he's in a storm drain. And then Peter Fonda's just stood there going, he goes, oh, hey, dude. Yeah. Tsunami coming. Here, I've got a spare board. Yeah, spare board. Remember, stay on your heels. And it's like, this has been the most extreme opening surfing lesson, if you've never been surfing And he's before. like, okay. And they basically both... Well, they're not, it's not them, is it? It's quite obviously two stunt doubles because the Jane Fonda character looks like some 20-year-old man. Yeah, and it's clearly not in that place where they were no, either. It's no. in the sea. <laughs> so they are surfing a wave down a tunnel or down a ridge. Yeah, down a, between a, a valley or yeah, something. Yeah. And um, <laughs> <laughs> there's a shark. Is there a shark leaping around? I don't know. Is there a shark? I thought, oh, am I just confusing myself? But there is... Steve Buscemi's character driving, driving the car, car alongside the wave and he takes a second look he looks around he goes oh what the what the and there's Snake Pliskin up beside him <laughs> and he's thinking to himself oh, he could never get me from there he's, he's on a surfboard riding a wave I'm in a car driving there is no way Snake can catch me up let alone get into the car <laughs> oh dearie me he's he's on my he's in my car he's in my car <laughs> Snake Pliskin Manages to catch up. My, be- my favourite is- thing about this is that they're, he's, they're both surfing, and they obviously cuts the headshots because they, you know, because this is the way you do it. They're both surfing, and then and like he's having a chat with Peter Fonda. He's like, "Oh, there's like there's that fucker I want to get." And yeah. he's like, "All right, okay, well I'm going to carry on surfing for a bit." He's like, "All right, see you later." <laughs> <laughs> and he manages to somehow go faster and in a different direction to the other guy surfing the same fucking wave They're as him. just down a tunnel and like a, in a yeah storm in America yeah, yeah. storm place alright see you later off he goes <laughs> and Snake leaps from the surfboard into yes. the back of the car yeah unbelievably shite it's the <laughs> worst bad. scene I've seen I've ever seen anyway that scene is worth checking out on YouTube I think if you can catch it just don't watch the film for God's sake but just check, check out the surfing scene check out the surfing scene because it is it's jaw-droppingly bad. This is from the man that made the thing. Big Trouble in Little China. Yeah. They live. Like some of my favourite films. And then he went and did this. 
Or is it the George Lucas effect, where suddenly you're given so much freedom, that no one's going, no one's telling you that's a bit shit mm. anymore, and they're just like, yeah, you're great, Carpenter. Yeah. And this is what happens when someone is, com- like, there's studio interference, and there's studio left you alone too much. Yeah, it's, it's quite a classic thing, isn't it, for film directors who come out and do some pretty good stuff, and then... You know, they want to make a film a passion project for them and the, the, the studios give them a, a wad of cash and they go away and make an absolute shocker. Yeah, they lose a lot of kudos. Steve Buscemi says that if they're going to do this thing, if they're going to get the MacGuffin off of um, uh, Che Guevara, then they're going to need to see Hershey, who, uh, and then you see another piece of really bad CGI where they come up, pull up to the boat which is the Queen Mary. And then they meet Hershey for the first time, which is Pam Greer. Right, this is this group of sort yeah. of... And he, uh, and he hears it. Like they're, they're, they're stood there talking, like Hershey and her minions, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, I know that voice. That's Jack Malone. Uh-huh. And then she still goes, but they've done something really weird to her voice. Well, they, it's in, in a factoid, like they, do, they do lower her voice in post-production. Was she a man then? She was originally a man, yeah. Right. That's why the voice, because that's why he goes, I recognise that voice. What I don't understand is, why did she have to have been a once a man? Why uh, couldn't she just have been a woman? A woman, Because it's does, Pam Greer as well. Yeah. It's not like it's like a nobody that they probably wanted to make more interesting. And he it? does that Crocodile Dundee thing, doesn't he, where he goes between her legs yeah. to see if she's got a cock and balls there and pulls out his old gun or something. Yeah. It's just... Re- Utterly ridiculous. Silly. I don't get it. I don't understand why it is. I don't understand why it is. I don't understand why she agreed to do that. I mean, it seems really weird. Anyway, they, they kind of join forces, don't yeah, they? Yeah, he convinces her to help out, and they, they think the best way... Death from above! Yeah, they do this thing where they, they then... They hand glide into the arena area, don't they? To yeah. the box. They drop bombs on people. Yeah, this whole kind of then set pieces. I mean, I know, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong here, Chris, uh, I mean, you're more of a, a military tactician than I'll ever be. Oh, yeah. Um, but would it not be, uh, after the initial surprise, quite easy to shoot down? Well, I thought this very thing... Because yeah. they're slowly circling them. Well, the thing is, as well, once you're coming down, you don't get the air you need to then go up to come down again. If you're if you're down, you're down. So they, they do this weird circling thing where there's obviously a lot of wire works going on. <laughs> they're circling around, dropping bombs, killing people. I mean, the snake's got a, you know an Uzi sort of thing and he's holding onto the bar with the handle with one hand and shooting and they're dropping, dropping grenades, little grenades yeah. and stuff. I expect the grenades would would disorientate people but you can still if there's somebody over the other side of the arena area they would just shoot (laughs) if you're you're just spraying bullets you're going to get them yeah Um, they managed to elude all the bullets all of them and um, come away into like a helicopter thing which is landed there's like a military helicopter like a stealthy thing with a retracting rotor blade that looks utterly fucking ridiculous someone's painted on And they get into that, that blows up, all gets set on fire. Yeah, well, Steve Bouchami jumps out because he thinks he's going to blow up because he's yeah. seen someone fire a rocket at it. But it turns out it's all right, really. Well, and there was just... a back seats on fire. Yeah, the whole. Oh, that's where his heatproof coat comes in handy. Oh, I see, which he deliberately puts on just before. Right. And Steve Bouchami jumps out, uh, the rest, uh, Snake and the daughter, who is meant to have killed, but he's too good for that. Yeah. I mean, he's bad, but he's good. But in a good, bad way. He's bad, but good. Good, but bad. Bad, but good. But in a bad way. In a bad way. way. But not that bad. But But good. 
mostly good and sometimes bad. <laughs> but he um, only if you're on the bad side of good are you going to face his wrath. It, There's good and bad in him. <laughs> so mostly good. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it's him and her in the front seat. Uh, There's burning corpses in the back seat. Yeah. Um, Jermaine Greer's getting it. And then she, he comes into land. Basically, he's saying, "Right, I'm coming." Yeah, fuck off. But I get. He, he phones the. He phones ahead. He says to the president, and the other guy that's really sticking up for him is that colonel guy or the commander guy, Stacy Keach. And they're saying, "Right, yeah, get the get the antidote ready. Get it ready. I'm on my way." And uh, they, he lands, and then he drops her off first, doesn't he? But there is no antidote. Don't need it. He's fine all along. So why was he getting a bit of flu? They said it's like flu. He, got, he kind of got foretold this earlier. They sort of said, oh, no, it's all bullshit, that thing about that virus, the plurovirus, whatever they called the fucking thing. They went, yeah, it's bullshit. And he was like, no, it's real. <laughs> I know this because, look, Andy's told me, and I've never got a headache before. Look at me. Do I look kind of guy got a headache? I mean, come on. I'm married to Goldie Horn, for fuck's sake. <laughs> I don't get headaches. I cause headaches. I am the headache. Doesn't make any sense. My future is now. <laughs> oh dear when he he um yes so he's hoodwinked into this he was, it was a hoodwink all along yeah and then he, he he's unhappy about that so he gets his revenge with the MacGuffin and also the um the thing that they they gave him a thing right at the start a projector which he lost and then found just before the end it's just like a holographic projector yeah yeah, thing. yeah. and none, none of the baddies <sighs> think to think to themselves maybe he's got that holographic projector yeah. but yeah again um he's a holographic but this is even worse this time because they stand in a circle around shooting a holograph and nobody dies. No. <laughs> it's been a ruse all along, isn't it? Snake basically he just says some right, I'm gonna I'm gonna cause the doomsday effect. He does it. Because you're you're all assholes. So if you do that, we're all basically fucked. He says, Don't care. Don't care. So this film has no point. Had he done nothing, <laughs> it would have been the same. Is it? It's a bit like the, the Raiders of the Lost Ark, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. The same thing. It's Had basic. he done nothing, exactly <laughs> the same thing would have happened. He has a smoke, and he looks at the camera. Oh. He, does, he breaks the third wall, breaks fourth it wall, right down. And he he looks at the camera, and says, "Welcome to the human race." Yeah. None of his lines make sense. Why would Why would you say that? And who's he say it to? And, and everything and goes dark. Everything goes dark, and he's fucked as well. Because basically, what's he going to do now? What an absolute tool. <laughs> Do you want some factoids? Oh, I thought you'd never ask, Chris. Well, you know, I'm here to please. Ones we kind of touched on before, but um, at the beginning of the film, Kurt Russell wears his costume from the original film, which we've discussed in late, the smelly one, which (laughs) still fits after 15 years. But he did do a lot of work. He practised and worked out a lot to get back into that costume. Uh, Kurt Russell practised playing basketball between scenes as he wanted to make all of his shots legitimately in the basketball scene. Later on, he made all of those shots purely on his own talent, even the full court one, which you told me earlier on, which I didn't believe. I still don't believe it. On his own talent. According to an interview with John Carpenter, Kurt Russell not only came up with, but wrote the entire ending of the movie. I think that shows. Yeah, he's credited as a writer on this. Yeah, it's Kurt Russell's first and only writing credit. Um, the film was caught in development hell for over 10 years and a script for the film was first commissioned in 1985, which might explain a lot. But John Carpenter thought it was too light and too campy. 
It remained dormant until Carpenter and Kurt Russell got together with frequent collaborator Deborah Hill. It was Russell's persistence that got the, the movie rolling. This is another bit of trivia for you, just so if you've got a pub quiz, you know. Sometimes Kurt Russell wore a slightly transparent <laughs> eye patch to avoid getting headaches. Right. And Steve Buscemi took the part in this film to help fund his directional debut, Trees Lounge, in 1996. That's it. I got one. He was due to appear again, Pliskin. Oh, really? So, you know, um, the other, it's not a great film, The Ghosts of Mars? I do. I've heard of it. It's apparently a I've stinker. I've seen it. It's okay. got Natasha Henstridge, Ice Cube, mm-hmm. and a young, slightly haired on the side, Jason Statham. Oh, yeah. The Stath. The Stath is in it. All right, you ghost. So um, originally that was going to be Escape from Mars and it was going to be a Snake Plissken film. No way. Fuck yes. Oh. But then, because this film so did so utterly poorly, they just completely binned off the snake. So it's reviews time, Matthew. It is reviews time. Okay, I've got one and it's a 10 out of 10. Ofs. Obviously. Um, that's how we should speak about freedom of creation is the title of the review. Wow. Yeah. I think this guy's French. Oh, right. right. So, Snake is back. <laughs> and they shouldn't have tried to fuck with him. That's not I'm French. sorry. <laughs> right, Arnie. Yeah. <clears throat> this movie. Uh, <laughs> uh, Snake is back. They shouldn't have tried to fuck with him. No, it's going, it's going. I can't do it in French. You no. gotta do it in French. I can't. Even if it occasionally goes into Austrian. This movie is one of the best sci-fi movies these years. That's like Italian. I can't do it in French. So I'm gonna do it in, <laughs> this guy's French a la Austrian. Ooh, like a la from Austrian, right? Austria. <laughs> My Austrian guy is the best accent I can do. Do, do your pan-Mediterranean accent that you were trying to do last. <laughs> Okay, Snake is back. <laughs> <laughs> and they shouldn't have tried to fuck with him. This is how I'm back on. I'm back in the game. <laughs> this movie is one of the best sci-fi movies these years because first, it's not serious at all. We see that John Carpenter is one of the most creative directors in the world in general and in USA in particular. That's why this movie didn't work. It doesn't have limits to his purpose, to the characters, does what he wants and that's why he is not appreciated as he ought to be and that's also why he's appreciated here in France <laughs> we appreciated the character Snake Pliskin very independent not like those fake heroes as in ID4 or Armageddon Snake Pliskin is a kind of anarchist nobody can take him make him do what he doesn't want to except if his life depends on it he's called to save the world he says fuck off <laughs> The end of the movie is one of the best ends of a movie in last in these last years. The cast is really good, with of course Kurt Russell, Steve Buscemi, and Pam Grier. Wow, in a different role than Jackie Brown. But the end is why I love this movie. I didn't know that there were still free men as Carpenter in art creation in the USA. That's the line. Let's just read that line again because I didn't know that there were still free men as Carpenter in art creation in the USA. Oh, there's um, a lot to unpick there. I don't understand that. But anyway, great review. Yeah. Passionate man from France. Passionate. So have you got one? Have you got one? What have you got? I got, uh, can I do two? Because there's a short one. Oh, on. go on. I had a long one, yes. The longest one. Echoes what your guy was saying. 
Best ending ever! <laughs> so recently, if... <laughs> what, what am I doing, Fritz? <laughs> <laughs> I've got nothing else to do, like, this is about English, I've got to do something for, for one. <laughs> <laughs> so, recently, <laughs> if seen this amazing movie again, sitting on my couch, listening to this incredible genius made music, I really don't know why most of the people prefer Escape from New York when I first knew to NY. It didn't get me, but one must be said for sure. Capital letters, Chris. Escape from LA do have the best ending I've ever seen in a movie made until now. <laughs> so all of you who haven't seen it yet, go get it. P.S. Sorry if there's some grammatical errors, but my English isn't that good. Oh, brilliant. Interesting. Oh, yeah. yeah, very good. I think his English is fine. Your English is fine. Your choice of movies is poor. Yeah, so another one. Um, what are you going to do this time? Oh, God. I'm just going to sit back for this one. I'm going to give you some space. This movie is fan-friggin-tastic. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't want to swear. Yeah, everyone in the world disliked it and forced the movie to call it a bomb. Do you even realise how much that sucks? This movie is so great. Snake Pisker is one of the coolest characters in film. He's one of those badass guys you can't lose. The movie is done in a much more of a comic book way than the first was. It's exactly the fucking same as the first one. Yeah, it is. In fact, the first one is a more serious tone, whereas LA is like reading a Punisher comic book, which makes me why most people like dislike this one. And now we won't probably ever see it in Escape from Cleveland, Miami, or Earth, or Escape from anything, because the industry called it a bomb, and therefore production companies won't want to put their money into another Snake Pliskin installment. Yet... We are forced to see sequels to crap like Legally Blonde 2 or Airbud Golden Receiver. I mean, come on! <laughs> what is going on in the world of film? Oh, film! Well, actually, Legally Blonde wasn't all that bad. I just couldn't think of another bad movie where we are forced to see a sequel. <laughs> the point is, I want another Snake Pliskin movie. Classic. So, that's it then. No that's more. It. Is there anything you can glean from this movie? No. Not a single nothing. thing. There's nothing. Absolutely nothing. <sighs> the two actors that I felt were fine were uh, the two female actresses, Pam Greer and uh, Valeria Galino. Both... But they're in it for like a second. Yeah, but, but a very underused. Pam Greer is a badass and she, she really showed Kurt Russell and the, the character of Snake Plissken. I mean, I prefer to have seen a movie of that character having just been a woman and not a man. Yeah. Uh, uh, it would have been would have been good because she can carry a film on her own right. Mm. Valerie Galino, uh, she's she's good. I mean, look, I mean, I'm really clutching at straws because that that's it. I mean, this is probably the worst films I've seen. The only thing I can glean from this film is the fact that it is unmistakably John Carpenter, mm. and as such, as a fan of other John Carpenter films, it you can't get away from the fact it's a John Carpenter film whilst watching it. And in that sense, it gives it a certain... What, it elevates it anyway? A little bit. A little bit. Because you look at it and go, oh. And then it makes you want to watch those other films. It makes you want to watch Big Trouble in Little China. Yeah, but they're because they're good, though. And Escape from Precinct 13. I suppose. That's a benchmark for... It's like Paul Verhoeven films. It's like there are some shit ones out there, but you watch them and they're unmistakably Paul Verhoeven. And it makes you want to go watch Starship Troopers. Yeah, or, you know, Robocop. Or Robocop. Or Showgirls. Yeah. 
um, but yeah, yeah, I know. I see what you mean. I mean, if it's supposed to be in terms of extreme carpenter, this is it's are, extreme carpenter. They're on the right. They're right and it, the music apart. he uses and stuff is like I say, it is too much in terms of incidental. But it's unmistakably carpenter because he, he writes a lot of the stuff himself. But I, I mean, I would avoid this movie at all costs unless you are a you know a completionist for John Carpenter. Yeah, got to catch them all. But yeah, that's it. Another done and dusted uh, pod. So we've got to choose another film. We have got to choose another film. We've been thinking hard and long about this. Last ten minutes. Long and hard. (laughs) But we feel like it's time to do another superhero movie because it's superhero season, isn't it, at the moment, what with um, a film coming out, (laughs) a certain film. Which so uh, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't spawn for myself at all in any way, shape, or form. You definitely did. Yeah, never mind. Um, but yeah, we're going to do X Men Origins Wolverine. We've delved into Rotten Tomatoes on this week for this choice. Yeah, because um, we we were worried that it had a little bit too much of a high rating on IMDb, um, which is a six. But it's the fanboys; they kind of bump these things up. But um, on Rotten Tomatoes, it's thirty seven percent, so it is a stinker. And critically, yeah, I remember when this came out, it being poorly received. And I, I think through the looking glass of time and what we saw with Logan and etc um, and Deadpool um, is that this will be even worse than we could possibly ever remembered I think you're right so let's let's do that then we're doing it X-Men Origins Wolverine play along if you want to you can uh, I think you can catch this on Sky Movies that's why we're doing it if you have Sky if you're lucky enough Schnicked. If you have this, if you have this in your DVD collection, you, if you're like a, I don't know, like a Marvel or X Men completionist, and you purchase these things, like I do sometimes or did, um, you might have this on your shelf. So wash along and um, let us know your thoughts. We'll put some stuff on social media. So again, don't forget we're on YouTube, uh, Twitter, Facebook. It's literally Instagram. the one thing we're not on. You picked them. Well, we are on YouTube. Are we? Yeah, I've got some snippets on YouTube. So you oh, can right. catch us on YouTube for some little bits snips. and pieces. Um, but yeah, get involved and like, subscribe, write a review. It helps us get more listeners because uh, we'd like to carry on doing it if you have us. Um, so see you next time. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>